the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. I'm Rob Black talking about money, 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 investing in more. I hope you sleep well. I hope you live well. And in the end, I hope you die with this money in the bank that you can pass on to some children, but you don't have to. You can bounce the last check to the coffin maker if you want to. I'm okay with either. One of the things that I want to do my best on is when drones are in the news, I want to talk about drones. When millennials are in the news, I want to talk about millennials. I want to tie whatever's current to investing, whatever's current to getting you to retirement, whatever's current to getting you involved with investing. I love that part of my job. Um, I love sharing with you good ideas. I love sharing with you some sad ideas. January is typically a month in which it might be good to hide from your spouse because it is called divorce month. It's typically the month when divorce filings begin to spike. 2018, very popular year for divorce because of impending changes to the tax code. I know you're saying you're making that up. <laughs> I wish I would do dead. So in December, da 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 da. It's romantic. It's love. Let's get engaged. Let's show your parents the big old sparkly di- oh, cubic zirconia because we're millennials. December is about engagement. January, February, and the peak March are all about divorce. It's gloomy weather outside. You've just spent a ton of dough on your your brats, your, I mean your lovingly children. The post-holiday jolt is now time to get back to work and time to move on with my life and make some new resolutions. What I find is that most people in December want to get through the holidays, just get through the holidays without the ugly cloud of divorce to upset the children. Man, Dad, when you stop fighting, Santa Claus is coming. Right? For couples with kids, it could be important to hold things together. Do it for the kids. Do it until they get out of college and then get a divorce. 
Once the holiday glow has waned and spouses settle back in bold habits, many people flock to the divorce attorney's office. I say don't do the divorce attorney, do a divorce mediation. You once loved the other person? Split amicably, especially if there's kids. So you got to digest the practical sides of a split. Finances are part of the practical sides of it. And the less you spend on attorneys, the more you have for each other. One of the first questions, I, and again, there's no winning in divorce. Both sides lose. So obviously the numbers are going to look different for every type of couple from every type of state. I know someone who went through a divorce that cost over $100,000 because his wife had a lip on her. When you get in front of a judge, do not have a lip on you. In front of a judge, it's yes or no, sir. They don't want you giving them flack. They don't want to hear that your husband was a bad husband, that you know he never made the bed. They don't want to hear it. They want to hear, when do you want the divorce? I'll sign the paperwork. Thank you. Next. But the new tax plan passed by Congress, alimony payments are no longer tax deductible. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. That particular change takes effect January 2019. So you've got one year, ladies and gentlemen. And... Smart people will figure it out. Instead of doing alimony, they'll be like a one-time payment. Um, so how can you tell if you and your partner on the precipice of a permanent split? I don't know. If your spouse won't list you, is probably the number one reason you should go to an attorney or a mediator or uh, a counselor. Counselor. You've become a pursuer. They've become a distancer. So, anyway, divorce is expensive, and I just throw that out there for you. Oh, the TV ad model. This is something I've been thinking about a lot recently, because I'm now, any TV I watch is binge TV or sports. There's nothing in between. I don't go, oh, look, it's Friday, and the the Honeymooners are on. Let's go watch that show, and the Honeymooners brought to you by Cocoa Puffs. Puff Puff Cocoa Puffs, chocolatey, tasty Cocoa Puffs, munchy, crunchy, chocolatey Cocoa Puffs. Ralph, I'll send you to the moon. Um, so I'm like every other consumer out there now. I'm consuming content. I'm paying for it. I'm comfortable with that. Whether it's cable with HBO or it's Netflix or Spotify, the ad business doesn't work for me. I don't have time for the the... 30-second Cocoa Puff commercial. I love my Cocoa Puffs. Who doesn't like chocolatey cereal that turns into milk into chocolate milk magically? So the ad model's changing. Whether Whether you see it or not, a whole generation of consumers will forever have very little tolerance for interrupting ads. And that's what I feel they do. I love watching HBO shows because you know it's going to be 22, 28, 56, 58 minutes of content. And you can pause if you need to go pee-pee. You don't have to do a pee-pee break during the commercial break. So if you're a marketer and someone comes to your firm and says, Rob Black has a new product called Rob Black and Your Money. It's a podcast. He wants to spread the the word and put it all out there. And the marketer and advertiser... 
Okay, let's do it. Let's buy 30 second spots and let's buy an ad in the Wall Street Journal and let's, let's, no, get a radio station. No, Spotify is killing the radio station. So, now forever is too long and you can't say ads are gone forever, but they're being delivered differently. And cable TV once promised no commercials and Netflix kind of is delivering on that promise uh, 40 years later. Spotify's success could partially be attributed to no commercials. The ad-supported models under attack, it may not be an existential crisis, but it will look different every five years. You know, the ad space is clearly moving to Facebook and Google and Amazon. Amazon's shaking up how people find brands. You know, I think this is a, a big advertising model that people aren't talking about. Amazon's shaking it up rather than ads being pushed to you in video. Um, if you look at the market caps of tech companies versus media companies, a lot of the moves you're seeing in media like Disney and Fox are a reaction to it. Um, so Amazon's doing other e-commerce services. Disney has seen cable TV get hit with ESPN. So Disney's saying, you know, we'll do our own little ad-free content that people can get. If you don't want to watch ESPN and commercials on cable, we'll give you ESPN without the commercials. But you got to go through our app. I never underestimate the power of inertia in this country. You never should either. When I talk about millennials, it's for a reason. When I talk about Generation Z, it's for a reason. They can't stand commercials. And as 4G and LTE speeds got better and better, and now we're just starting to talk about 5G, we can do the deliver 4K TV in a seamless fashion. And you may not be able to dump Comcast today. You may not be able to dump commercial TV Monday through Friday where you watch the news and go to commercials. But you will. Because TV stations will say there's another model to be made. Not just the commercial advertising second commercial. We can stream this baby. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. We're making financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I highly suggest every listener get or share a subscription to the Wall Street Journal and Barron's. They are one and the same. And start reading business headlines and start saying, why is this important? Some headlines that jump out to me today, and again, I don't think I'm always right. Trust me, I've just done this a long time, and uh, I could teach you a lot about investing. A lot about investing. So some of the headlines that I see today, for instance, include Amazon is boosting the prices of its monthly Prime membership. I'm like, first of all, no, not Prime. I have Prime, but wait, wait, I have the annual, not the monthly. But they're boosting their their membership fee, 20%. No, God. So the online retailer says its annual membership of $99 will not change. But its monthly is going to jump from 10.99 to 
And for college students, it's going to jump from 549 to 649. Um, and that starts off soon. Now, this is a show that I could replay a year from now, two years from now, three years from now. It could be an evergreen. In large part because this is a lesson on pricing power. Maybe Amazon's deciding that they don't want to lose money on the person who jumps in at Christmas time, does it for a month or two, gets a lot of individual packages sent to them, turns off their monthly fee right after that. Basically finding a workaround for fast delivery that's not super expensive. So that story jumped out to me, and it's like, hmm, share that. It's pricing power. It's also telling you that... um, company's getting focused on earnings, and that could be an important thing for a company that's been focused on revenues. It could be interesting on a positive. It could be interesting on a negative, because when you look at Amazon, you don't go, historically, this should trade at 20 times earnings, or the market trades at 15, and it's at 20, and in the last five years, it's traded between 12 and 22, and it's currently at 21 times earnings, the price of the company versus the earnings that it generates. Uh, you don't value Amazon like that. You would say that it's at the high end of its PE in that case, or a company that's historically had a PE of 12 to 20 and it's currently at 13, you'd say it's the low end and that may create some value. That's one way to start to look for stocks. You start comparing it against itself and then you compare it against its peers with the price to sales ratio. How much is the company worth versus how many dollars of sales do they do? And different industries have different you know, metrics to you key in on. Technology, for instance, uh, price to sales ratio of four. Uh, Wait, well, you can't say technology because software is four. Hardware, you'd probably want to go like two to three valuation. It's tricky. So because you start looking at profit margins, you start looking at sales uh, cycles and how long they're going to last or not last. So an analyst is out today, and he's telling me something about the long term, in his opinion. There's a company called Square. I get my hair cut every five weeks, four weeks, five weeks. I don't have a lot of hair, so it's kind of silly, right? Uh, But also, I don't have a sexy woman who's willing to pull out the clippers and chop my hair up, either. So I have to pay someone to do that. Payment company Square is Anagla... Analogous to Amazon or Google in their early days, so says an analyst from Nomura today. And Nomura is not a big brokerage house. Nomura is a big research house. They're calling it a buy. They think the climb to, uh, to fame, and wait, I, I never finished my thought. I need more coffee. But so the analyst is saying that Square, which the woman who cuts my hair, when I pay her, she pulls out a credit card reader and she takes my credit card and zaps it right in. Says, when would you like to make an appointment? Blah, blah, blah. What, do you want to tip me? Blah, blah, blah. Here, move your finger and sign here. Blah, blah, blah. And Square has a faster turnaround for small business merchants like herself. So it's attractive. So Nomura is saying they're calling it a buy. And they think it's very similar to Amazon or Google in the early days. They think Wall Street's valuing the company all wrong. So I'm fascinated because I know what Amazon and Google did in the early days. Nothing. They, they sat there and they moved up and down. And then they took off like a rocket. Boom, boom, boom. We're going to the moon. So 
Square's climb to fame is a result of its financial transaction technology, enabling small businesses to accept card payments through its software and hardware products. It's also developed what's called Square Cash, a means of sending and receiving money between individuals and businesses, very similar to PayPal's Venmo. In 10 years, Square is likely to be a very different company, helped by accelerating share gains from payment peers and relentless disruption of services like payroll and HR. Valuation should include mixed shift to large sellers, accelerating share gains, growing penetration of higher price transaction types like virtual terminals and e-commerce, as well as high margin services like Square Payment, uh, Square Capital, and Payroll. Whoa. And then I'm thinking, like, who's going to buy them? PayPal could. Visa could. Apple? Sure, why not? Spin off what they don't like. Keep what they do. Um, so th- that's a pretty powerful read right there. Square is going to be a very different company helped by accelerating share gains from payment peers and relentless disruption of services like payroll and H- HR. And the analyst is very clear to say in 10 years. You know, he's saying don't get instant gratification. This might be one to be added to your portfolio to look at, to maybe wait for a bad day in the market, maybe a bad report from the company. Because he believes that in 10 years. Now, this is where you start your research. You don't end your research on, hey, I read on the internet, somebody said this. He's got a $64 price target representing 59% upside from the close. The highest target on Wall Street. He believes that Wall Street doesn't see the bright future for Square because they are using conventional valuation methodologies. He's using a discounted cash flow model to come up with his target. Square shares are up 173% in the last 12 months. Now, wait... He's calling for 70% upside from here after it's already uh, 60% upside from here after it's already up 173% in the last 12 months. What if he's breading his butter? That worries me a bit. What if he's buttering his bread? <laughs> breading his butter. What if he's making milk pudding? How I'm going to be a grown-up boy one day. He thinks the continues going. He thinks the company is going to continue to grow up market. He's learned that more complex sellers have often established systems that are tailored to their businesses, such as e-commerce websites, custom point of sale, or inventory software. He thinks it's an open platform. Developers can connect these systems with Square, and it doesn't hurt that their CEO is Jack Dorsey. So just being compared to Amazon or Google, like. I don't know what you and your loved one are going to do this weekend, but maybe you can take her out, have a nice dinner. She looks at you and she goes, you're kind of like an early Amazon or Google. Man, your heart will swell. Because you know that soon they go boom, boom, boom. They're going to the moon. Um, it's a big compliment. It doesn't mean anything. It's a start. It's not a finish. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW.
comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I think that's the best place to start. If you want to do things like LA Times, just be very, very careful. I see a lot of situations where there's people that look like experts that maybe they're not experts. Maybe they're consumer advocates, and maybe they're not even consumer advocates. Maybe they're journalists who become consumer advocates who become investment advisors. I want you to use credit cards and make them work for you instead of the other way around. There's an overwhelming debt problem in the United States, and it's something you should avoid. We use loans for cars or appliances or groceries. You want to use loans for things like houses and cars, not for things like groceries and movies. And you don't want your credit card to become, you know, a lender per se. You want to pay it off every month. Debt is bad. No, debt's not bad. The wrong type of debt is bad. Student debt and home debt, I I find to be attractive. So, but common knowledge for most of us, as long as we can remember, debt is bad. And that's unfortunate. Especially if you graduated recently from college and you graduated into a bad job market in 2007, 8, 9, 10. And slowly but surely, the economy got better. But when you don't have a job, you are in trouble if you are carrying debt. You need to watch that one very, very closely, in my opinion. And again, uh, I'm not the end-all, be-all, and I know that. I'm not trying to be in any way, shape, or form. So... Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money investing and more. The no debt blanket is a bad one. And if you hear someone talk about that, they don't know what they're doing with finances. Um, I think it's important to have a good credit score. I think there's good apps out there like Credit Karma. I think you should do be proactive about your credit and check out annualcreditreport.com. It's annualcreditreport.com. Let's say you buy a car. For $20,000, I think you should check, you know, I once had a car dealer. This pissed me off. They're like, you want to use our financing? We can get you 1.9%. I'm like, you know, I haven't had a revolving line of credit in a while, so sure, let's let's do that. And I was going to probably pay it off over 12 months, pay an extra 1.9%. I wasn't too offended by that. I was doing it to kind of like stay physically active in my credit. And this... He ran my credit through like five banks, and he's like, oh, I can't get the 1.9%. 
So how many credit inquiries did I have? Five. So every time you do a hard inquiry, anytime you go into a store and they, you know, check your credit, that hurt, that dings you because it's showing the world of creditors that you are looking to borrow money. And that can be a bit of a problem. Because the more you do it, the more the creditors are like, why is it getting turned down five times? Um, so I think that's something that's out there. Something that's out there for sure. So anyway, let's get back to talking about stock, talking about investments, talking about ideas. Um Let's see, what do I want to throw out? I always, I always like the stories where billionaires drive cheap cars. I don't really want to see a billionaire in a Bugatti. Jeff Bezos is you know, an incredible frugal spender. Um, he first you know, he upgraded his Chevy Blazer to a Honda Accord when he got rich. Frugality is one of those characteristics traits that come from good leadership principles, in my opinion. I don't get extravagance. Not in when we live in the world we live in. You know, uh, a 1987 Chevy Blazer, uh, that's pretty much a dream car for a lot of people. And it works. Um, you know, what I want is a, I want to drive like a forklift. There's vehicles that I want to drive. I don't want to drive a Bugatti. I have no interest in a Bugatti. If I could drive a forklift up and down 101, I'd be a pretty happy dude. I know you're saying, what's wrong with you? Oh, one of the stories that, uh, I have to throw out and talk about because when I was growing up, GE was a prized investment. I think my dad even owned some GE. I never really got to watch what my dad owned because money was kept, kept private back then. But a lot of people question GE's ability to stay relevant. There's a coming cash squeeze from GE and growing debt pressures. It might be in GE's best interest to raise equity capital sooner while that stock is elevated. So... There's some analysts saying they should raise money. They should go to the debt markets and um, issue shares. And if you are a shareholder, that's going to dilute you. GE has gotten into bad times. I throw that out there again because there was a point in time where GE could do no wrong. Like, no wrong. Bitcoin has been in the news a lot in 2018. 2016, not so much. 2017, I did have a big rise. Cryptocurrency enthusiasts um, are out there. They're out there. There's a crypto coin rapper. I can't play his music because it's got too many dirty words in it. But there's a crypto coin raptor, rapper, like singer. I know. Some of the stuff you can't make up. That tells me it's a little bit silly. Now, that doesn't mean you can't make money in a little bit silly. We are a nation that has embraced a little bit silly. We've invested in things like Pokemon cards, baseball cards. You hear the story every now and then about 
Some guy's mother dies, and he goes home and gets in the attic, and he finds, like, a Pete Rose original worth $92,000. A rookie card that's in perfect condition. Oh, you know how many mothers have thrown away awesome investments? Comic books that, you know, the kid read when he was a kid. It went up in the attic or it went down in the basement. Some of it goes to crap because it molds, but some of it stays pretty relevant. So comic books and trading cards. And what other dumb things have we invested in? Pokemon cards and Beanie Babies. Remember Beanie Babies? That wasn't that long ago, though. You had had to go on Beanie Baby to get your kid a, a... He had to have a Beanie Baby for Christmas, and you would go on eBay, and you're like, wait, this costs nine, $19 in retail, and it's selling for $2,000? I guess if you can get people to pay it, you know? Um, but that, again, it, it kind of reminds me of how stupid we could be. So be cautious. I'm not trying to make you feel bad when I say be cautious. History has shown that when someone takes the blame for a government shutdown, it doesn't translate into election losses. Washington is in a tizzy trying to figure out which parties to blame on a regular basis. Which parties to blame about higher debt? Which party to blame about government shutdown? Which party to blame about um, rising gun violence? Republicans say if you own a gun, it cuts down on violence because, well, someone's afraid of you. Might be you, they might pick a fight with the wrong person. Democrats say the hands, the gun might get into the wrong hands. Gun theft in the United States is a big, big problem. But the political parties blaming each other also a pretty big problem. Have you ever played with WhatsApp? WhatsApp is one of those apps that Facebook acquired. And when they did it, it was kind of crazy because WhatsApp had very, very few employees, and they acquired them for $19 billion. One of the nice things about WhatsApp and messaging, messaging is going to be a big story in 2018. As companies are trying to get you to see their business model without necessarily opening their business model. And WhatsApp was pretty infectious. Um, You didn't necessarily have to miss a call anymore, and it was on your phone. So, um, but $19 billion Facebook throughout. One of the original founders sold $2.3 billion in Facebook stock as WhatsApp hit 1.3 billion users. Can you imagine coming up with an app, a communication app, and it's worth $19 billion, and you have 20 employees? Not too shabby. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Phony Beatlemania is bitten the dust. London calling, see, we ain't got no swing except for the rain and the crunch of things. The ice is coming, the sun's zooming in. Meltdown expected, the wheat is closing. Engines stop coming, but I have.
RobBlack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. The ranking of the highest grossing concert tours in Billboard history. History. It's pretty unaltered year to over year, but last year you saw two new entries and they jumped high. Coldplay, who you're hearing right now, jumped to number three overall with a gross of $523 million from its Head Full of Dreams tour. After I had a run of basically a year and a half, I think they came to the Bay Area twice. <laughs> like, I think we'll do a little thing called the Super Bowl and get a lot of people eyeballing us, and then we'll go around the world and make a lot of money, pull out the rakes. Now you understand why the NFL wants the acts to pay them. Total of 5.4 million tickets were sold during a five-continent trek that launched at the end of March 2016. It hit stadiums worldwide, 114 sold-out performances in 83 venues, 13 of which topped 10 million in sales from multiple show runs. Not too shabby. Now, Coldplay's at seven albums. They may not be your cup of tea. But you got to have some respect for who jumped up to number four on that list. Guns N' Roses hit the all-time tour list at four. How did they break up like 20 years ago? They had a $475 million overall gross from 123 headlining performances on its five-continent trek. That's still ongoing. With the end of the band's 2017 touring schedule in November, more than 4.3 million tickets have been sold. Not in this lifetime. That was the name of the tour. Guns N' Roses also made festival appearances during both years of the tour, beginning with the headlining slot at Coachella in April 2016. Uh, Axel actually showed up, which is pretty darn crazy. Now, let's take a look at the tours that had the biggest box office history run. Cirque du Soleil's Mike Jackson. From 2011-2014, right there at 360 million. The police come in at number nine. The reunion tour pulled in 362 million dollars. Vertigo by U2 was number eight, 389 million. Madonna, Sticky and Sweet, 408 million. ACDC, Black Ice, Fire, 441 million dollars back in 2008. Roger Waters, The Wall Live. Pulled in $459 million over three years. Guns N' Roses, I just talked about, $475. Coldplay, $523 million. The top grossing tours of all time. Rolling Stones, A Bigger Bang, 2005 to 2007, $558 million. And U2, the 360 tour, pulled in the number one spot with $736 million from 2009 to 2011. Not too shabby. Microsoft president Brad Smith has talked a, a lot about the future in a new book. It's called The Future Computed. I just finished it. It's fantastic. Um, and it talks about the future and artificial intelligence and our personal digital assistants and how they're going to be integrated into our life, kind of as an alter ego. It says 20 years from now, your digital assistant goes through your calendar and talks to your other electronic devices to plan your day while you sleep. It may tell your car, hey, you better go get gas because he's running late. With an eye on your sleep cycle, it wakes you up at a time, which is 
you're going to feel the most refreshed within a window of time you've previously approved. So 20 years from now, you're going to have a digital assistant that looks at your sleep cycle while you're sleeping. It's going to jump into your calendar and go, oh, no, he forgot an appointment. He's oversleeping. Wake him up. As you get ready, your assistant reads you the news, reports, social media activity, that it's determined to be the most of interest to you. Apple is said to be developing this technology right now for its HomePod, which is going to be a big speaker. So, and it's going to say, Siri, read me the news. So it's going to read news, report, social media activity. That's the most important to you. I would love that because I'm pretty routine, right? A digital assistant can figure me out. There's very few days where I'm like, hey, I want to know about the Warriors. I want to know about the Giants. I want to know about the Sharks. I, do, I, I don't want to know about the Capitals. I don't want to know about the uh, Mavericks. I rarely stray. It'll update you on your weather, your upcoming meetings, and people you see that day and suggest the best time to leave the house based on traffic. We're starting to see some of that there. When I pull out my phone, I get ready to get in my car. It knows that I'm either going to San Francisco or Fremont or the gym. Those are the only places I go. Sometimes I go home. Your first meeting of the day will be with an international team and held remotely before you leave the office. You put on a pair of mixed reality glasses. You greet your colleagues. You appear before them in a virtual boardroom. You all put in an earpiece so that each side's language is automatically translated for the other without lag. We're already starting to see some of that. Google came out with some earpieces last year that have gotten mixed reviews, but mostly pretty good. Your sister's coming into town. It books a restaurant for you before you stop and think about it. You got Valentine's Day on the calendar? You forgot? Oh, it, it's got you covered. It'll summarize discussions for you. You know, the board meeting one, I don't know if I'll ever have international contacts. I Seriously, I want less than more right now. I'd rather have a lake than a flight to China. But it's also something that it's, it's – Chad and I run a, a meeting with the team up in Oregon, Washington, and tied together to California. And he uses um, go to meeting. And I'm like, that doesn't work really well because when you're all in one room and you cackle and tell a joke, none of us can hear or see what's funny. And now none of us can hear the point. While you work on your presentation, your assistant offers supplementary information about the topic you're focused on. It's a pretty good book. I highly recommend. Um, Harry Shum, S-H-U-M, S-H-U-M. Um, I think you'll get a lot of, of read pleasure at the future computed. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me at robblackshow.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.